0: SECTION 18 OF THE DIARY OF A COUNTRY PARSON BY JAMES WOODFORD READ BY JOHN GREENMAN SEVENTEEN SEVENTY-SIX JANUARY FOURTEENTH The post which should have come in last night did not come till ten this morning on account of the snow. Scarce ever was known so deep a snow as at present. Many carriages obliged to be dug out near Oxen. No curates could go to their churches to-day not one from our college went today on account of ye snow. January 18th Williams, Sr. and Jeffreys played at all fours this evening in MCR. They had very high words at last, and Williams threw the cards in Jeffreys' face, the whole pack, being in a very violent passion. They were both to blame, but Williams much more so. Jeffreys went to his room soon after, and there stayed. On January 26th he had a very elegant dinner at Brasenose College, where he went, in a visitational capacity, but did nothing at all, only received for my trouble, as usual, eightpence. Some of us go every quarter on the same account. The dinner was as follows. January 26th. First course, cod and oyster sauce, roast beef, tongue and boiled chicken, peas, soups, and roots second course a boiled turkey by mistake of the mansiple, which should have been roasted, a brace of partridges roasted, four snipes and some larks roasted, also an orange pudding, syllabubs and jellies, Madeira and port wines to drink, and a dish of fruit. January 31st Thermometer down to number 9 this morn, 23 degrees beyond freezing. It is thought that Professor Hornsby's thermometer was down this morning to number six. Number four is the lowest that ever was known. On February 15th he sets out for Ansford, which he reached next day. The journey, by post chaise, including stopping the night at Tetbury, and all expenses on the way, cost him the very large sum of five pounds, nine shillings, fivepence. The journey was uneventful, though he spent a bad night at Tetbury, owing to an officer turning up very late and making a great noise." Just outside Bath he met Mr. Holmes, of our college, returning on horseback, who had been staying at Bath, and he told me he never spent such a six weeks in his life. Highly pleased. The next three months at Ansford, the last he was to spend at the old Parsonage House, passed in the usual quiet country way, except for a scare of fire on March 5th. The diarist on that day was congratulating himself on feeling brave again, after a disorder which had proceeded from eating great quantities of watercresses. when, at one o'clock, as a leg of mutton was roasting by the kitchen fire, a very dreadful fire happened in the chimney. Carrie and Ansford friends rushed to the rescue. Pails of water were thrown down the chimney as well as wet rugs and blankets, and in two hours... The fire was extinguished. My uncle sent down some cider in pails to the people, and we gave them more. I offered a guinea to the people upon the house, but they would not take it. Mr. Burgey would not suffer it. The fire was all due to the chimney's not having been swept for above twelve months. It is amazing that Mr. Poundsett should neglect it so long, very wrong indeed of him only to save sixpence. The subsequent weeks are spent apart from the almost daily round of mutual hospitality largely in settling things up prior to his final departure from somerset in may he lets his little estate of some thirty acres in ansford to farmer corp on march eleventh for seven years for a rent of thirty-five pounds per annum the farmer to pay all taxes except the land tax he gives presents to various relations particularly to brother Hyes, who is presented with a very handsome piece that i had by me for a waistcoat a buff colored with sprigs in it also he buys some broadcloth for a coat and breeches for brother hys to wear with the waistcoat under march twenty sixth and twenty seventh there is an interesting reference in the diary to various cures for the king's evil from which his niece nancy daughter of Hyes, is suffering, which will prevent her, for the time being, from coming with him to Norfolk. Alfred Wellwater is said to have done great things in complaints of the king's evil. On April 14th he enters very much frightened and hurried this morning by hearing that my brother John had a fall from his horse in the night coming from Evercreech, and was found senseless about one in the morning. He is greatly relieved to find him comparatively uninjured i hope this will caution him from riding when merry he has had many falls before but none so bad as this on april fifteenth he mortgages his ansford estate for the sum of four hundred pounds which he receives from his lawyer mr martin of bruton at four per cent per annum this considerable sum he expends partly on buying an house and orchard for one hundred pounds, partly in paying off various debts of his own and his brother John, partly in paying back the principal and interest to various persons for whom he had acted as a sort of banker, and partly in purchasing two horses for twenty-seven pounds seventeen shillings sixpence inclusive, on which he and his nephew Bill, son of Hyes, are shortly to set forth for Norfolk. The rest is available for other expenses connected with getting into his Norfolk living. On May 6th he sends off seven large boxes to Mr. William Burgey, Jr., this afternoon, for him to send them by the London wagon tomorrow for Norfolk. May 8th is spent in packing and taking leave of friends and relatives. After supper I went down to my brother John's and took leave. May this morning at nine o'clock took my final leave of the old parsonage house at ansford and went up to mr white's and there i breakfasted with him sister white mr pound and jenny brother Hyes, his son william and sam and james clark after breakfasting at mr white's about ten o'clock i took my leave of my friends at ansford and set forth on my mare for norfolk and bill woodford and my boy william coleman went with me I left my friends very low on the occasion. I must confess also to feeling very low on this occasion. Having read forty-eight manuscript booklets covering every day of the period from July 21, 1759 to May 9, 1776, I have become so acquainted with all the Somerset friends and relations in their daily lives that they are almost as familiar to me as my own family good affectionate sister jane slow but amiable mr pounsett roystering brother john the hospitable clark and white families wily uncle tom the demure but faithless betsy white now webster friendly but impercunious and i fear rather unsteady brother Hyes, solicitor martin counsellor Mellier, parson gapper and parson leech the burgies, the pews, and the russes, not least the fair Bathsheba, of whom the diarist dreamed one night. To all these it would be heart-rending to say farewell. Happily, the diarist himself has made it impossible, and the unimaginable touch of time leaves them as they were alive. Of brother John a word should be said, as he will appear, but rarely in future. The tradition of his dare-devilry has survived in the neighborhood almost to the present day. There are two stories of him which have been handed down. One is that he rode his favorite horse into the Methodist chapel and cursed the congregation, and another that he rode the same horse upstairs and jumped it over his wife's bed. But he sobered down in time. He was apparently always known as Captain Jack that he was an ensign in the Somerset militia has been told in the diary, and he rose to be a captain later. He died on September 23, 1799, in his 55th year. His wife Meliora Clark survived him till 1826. She is said to have been a friend of Wesley's, and possibly that very great man influenced her husband in later life. It is at least noteworthy that in his journal under date Thursday, September twenty seventh seventeen eighty eight, Wesley enters, About noon I preached at Castle Cary. How are the times changed. The first of our preachers that came hither the zealous mob threw into the horse-pond. Now high and low earnestly listen to the word that is able to save their souls. The diarist and his nephew Bill, the boy servant William Coleman, and the dog proceeded to Norfolk via Oxford. From the 12th to the 20th of May they stayed in Oxford, as the diarist has to settle up accounts, his fellowship had lapsed, as from April 12th, and pack up those of his goods which he does not sell for Weston. Also nephew Bill, of course, is shown the chief sights of Oxford. May 20th. We breakfasted at college, and about ten took my final leave of my rooms at college, and we set forth for Norfolk, myself, Bill Woodford, and my servant William Coleman. We got to Tame about twelve o'clock, about thirteen miles from Oxon, and there we dined at the Red Lion, kept by one Powell. When we got to Tame was very uneasy on account of my leaving at Oxford this book and my Baldwin's Journal. I sent a man immediately from Tame with a letter to Master Senior to send back the same, and in about three hours he returned and brought me back both very safe. I was then quite happy, paid him for going two shillings sixpence. A peculiar thrill of excitement and pleasure passed through me as I read this passage, holding in my hand the precise volume of the diary which had been left behind and retrieved thus one hundred and forty-six years ago. The party set on and slept the night at Tring, about seventeen miles from Tame, at the Rose and Crown. They started off at seven o'clock the next morning and breakfasted at Dunstable, about ten miles from Tring. May twenty-first. From Dunstable we went to Baldock, through Hitchin, about twenty miles from Dunstable, and there we dined at the White Horse kept by one Kendall a great many soldiers dragoons at baldock today from baldock we went on to royston about 10 miles there we baited our horses and selves a little time at the crown kept by one james from royston we went on to cambridge about 13 miles from royston and there we supped and slept at the white bear kept by one garford a very good inn and very reasonable we got there about 9 o'clock Very fine road, and very pleasant, indeed, all the day. May 22nd. We breakfast at Cambridge, and then set forward. Bill and myself went after breakfast, and saw King's Chapel, the finest I ever saw, all fine carved stone, the roof of the same, most capital piece of architecture, indeed, gave a man that showed it to us one shilling. The gentlemen commoners wear black gowns and gold trimmings made slight upon the sleeves of the same, and very small tousles to their square caps of cloth. The members of Trinity College, undergraduates all, wear purple gowns. Gentlemen commoners wear purple gowns trimmed with silver instead of gold and silver tossels. The buildings are grand at Cambridge, but few of them. Their route from Cambridge was through Newmarket, thirteen miles from Cambridge, Barton Mills, ten miles from Newmarket, and Thetford, ten miles from Barton Mills. They baited their horses at the Bull at Newmarket, dined at the Bull at Barton Mills, and supped and slept at the George at Thetford. A great many soldiers at Thetford going on to Norwich. Prodigious fine road from Cambridge to Thetford. Next day, May twenty-third, they went from Thedford to Attleboro, fifteen miles from Thetford, where they dined at the Cock, and from Attleborough to Norwich, another fifteen miles, where they supped and slept at the King's Head. Our great Dog, for whom a brass collar had been purchased at Oxford for five shillings sixpence, performed the journey very well. Next day they reached their journey's end at Weston, ten miles from Norwich but finding nothing to eat they rode on to lenwade bridge a mile away and dined there my servant william supped and slept there myself and bill supped and slept at weston at my house end of section eighteen seventeen seventy six